Podcast Time Out for Mental Health is where we speak to sports figures, mental health experts, and leadership gurus about their experiences as it relates to mental health issues associated with depression, masculinity, and suicide. These sensitive topics are often swept under the rug, as detailed in my upcoming book, You Don't Have to Swallow Your Gun, a simple book for men about depression, masculinity, and suicide. Getting a handle on a man's masculinity will improve relationships, both personally and in the workplace. Everyone needs some support to ask for help when they feel off or a bit disoriented and foggy and don't know what is really going on with them. If they do not seek help, their behavior can turn dangerous, including alcoholism, drug and pill addiction, anger, fighting, violence, and in some cases, death by suicide. On Time Out for Mental Health, we want to uncover these issues so men and women can live a happy and healthy life, even though they do suffer from mental health issues. Our guest today is Ben Harris, the fear guy. Ben is a fear mentor and an intuitive guide. Rooted in the superpower of belief in himself and others, Ben is a testament of what possibilities arise when you conquer fear and trust your inner being. Like many, Ben has experienced highs and lows in life, including a financial investment into the world of cryptocurrency, possibly Bitcoin, I don't know, where he made, yes. a, lot of, <laughs> where he made a lot of money before losing it all. From there, he began to understand what total surrender really meant. Today, Ben offers mentorships, intuitive sessions, and his podcast, Feeling Free. We're honored that Ben has shared some of his time with us today. How are you doing today, Ben? Man, Tim, I'm doing wonderful. That was, you added some flair in that intro. So I, so I appreciate that, sir. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like we were just, I know we were recording. I'm not sure if that will be on the show. But we were just talking about basketball. So I feel like I'm like in the tunnel coming out and you're announcing my name and like the crowd is like cheering me on. <laughs> crowd was going wild. Yeah. So I just feel like I was announcing to like a playoff game seven. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, that's quite a story to tell. It sounds as though you went through one of life's major challenges with your emotional well-being when you created so much wealth only to lose it all. Sounds like a very anxious experience that can be very disrupting to someone. Can you tell us a little about your story and how you got here today? And feel free to take your time. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so it's definitely for me. So this is where, I mean, I think I'm weird, but I think we're all weird. We just don't own it. But when that moment happened, yes, I was nervous and anxious when I lost that money, but also, right, because my... Um, whether you want to say expertise or focus, what I focus mostly on is fear. So of course I felt fear. I'm like, okay, how am I going to make money? Like, how am I going to do the things that I want to do? Like, I don't, like I had recently just quit my nine to five job. So, you know, I don't want to go back and get another job. So why I say I'm a little bit weird is because even in that moment, I told one of my friends who was invested in this cryptocurrency fund with me, I told him, Hey man, like I know we lost this money so we could learn how to make it back, but not in just like a nine to five sort of way where we hate 
the job or like we feel forced or we have to hustle. It's coming from a place of what you mentioned in the intro about surrender of, okay, this is happening like in my benefit. I, I have no idea how, I have no idea why, but I actually recorded a video. This is actually almost exactly a year ago. And I recorded a video and it's funny cause I was, I was in Austin, Texas. So I moved here a couple months ago, but a year ago I was traveling through Austin, Texas and I recorded this video on my cell phone saying this in the camera, like I just lost this money. I have all this debt coming up. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I'm going to be taken care of. And then a month and a half later, I got the, <clears throat> the message, the inspiration that, you know, catalyst that activation to, um, rebrand my whole approach to business and to being a service to people and my offerings into fear. So yes, it was full of fear and anxiety, but that's what allowed, like I believe fear is a gift and a compass and it's guiding us. So by leaning into that is what allowed this opportunity for, yes, of course, more wealth, but more fulfillment, like much more excitement, um, being a much more of service to the collective. So hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> No, I understand. And I can relate because um, I have severe depressive disorder that's reoccurring and I didn't know it for a long, long time. And it, and it caused a lot of addictions in my life that took me down. And uh, uh, once I got sober, then I had to put my trust in God, in my higher power. Yep which is just like you were saying that, you know, even though something is daunting in front of me, whether it's financial or personal or business, that I, I can, through my relationship with my higher power, trust that I'll be taken care of. Mm -hmm. My job is to do the footwork and the results, you know, somebody upstairs will take care of. So, Yes. I, can, I can relate to that. So how did you, how'd you even fathom trying to recover from that? I mean, you had to be traumatized <laughs> a bit. What was kind of going on in your head to <laughs> get you from A to B there? Uh, see, this is the thing is my, my approach is pretty different than, you know, like just, stay motivated. You can do it. You know, it's like, yes, that's a part of it. Yes. That's important. Um, but it's, it goes back to just like what you said of like allowing, and this goes back into, you know, a lot of what you focus on is, um, especially as men and in masculinity of like, we want to be viewed as successful. So we have a fear of losing this money makes me a failure. If, okay, I'm not successful. Like I took this risk. That means I'm done. I'm dumb. I shouldn't have done it. Um, that means I'm weak. Or like if you have a spouse or a partner, like, okay, they're going to leave me. There's so many different worries <clears throat> that fears go on in your head when you're thinking about that. Um, but for me telling a story in that moment of that trust, but of really like believing like this takes practice. And this goes back to the intro too of like I fully believe no matter what the rejection or failure is, it's still painful. I still feel the feeling, but I still, and I have, and that's the important part. It's not just like black and white. It's yes, I feel that emotion. And I, fu I fully trust that like 
my perspective is I'm looking for the way of how this is going to benefit me. And it did. So I had, I had the choice to, you know, trust in God, trust in the universe, trust in my higher self, my guides, my angels, whatever. Like I had the choice to look for that, to look how this was going to help me. Or I had the choice to see how this was the worst decision in my life. So if you choose and like, and I chose to, I felt the fear and I was still scared, but, and I was still looking for the way of how this is going to benefit me. Yeah. I, I have a saying mistakes are the seeds of greatness. Yeah, for real. No In mistakes. Other words, you know, I have to learn from all of my mistakes and that's how I grow. So, you know, I, I don't get down about it. I look for the silver lining. You know, what mm -hmm. is it that I can learn from this experience and apply it going forward? So I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Good. All right. Let me frame our discussion and then we can drill down into specifics. Let's do it. Let me ask you, while growing up, did you ever think you would be such an influencer in the area that you're currently immersed in? Mm, so not exactly. I mean, I didn't know I was going to be a quote unquote fear coach until 11 months ago. <laughs> so, um, because that, again, this is cool how a lot of this conversation is around like trust and God and all that and source and all that fun things. Um, so for, I grew up being told that I was special and different. And I know not a lot of people get that. Um, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that meant. And I tried a lot of different areas. So based on like the worldly or the material or the egoic or based on just other examples, I was like, okay, let me try this. And let me try this. Is this what I'm supposed to be like great at in quotes? And so I tried a bunch of different things. I did love some of them. And even in the corporate world, I spent a long time in the, cor in the corporate world, like in leadership and management. And there was a part of that that I fit to me that I was able to fit my personality to, but a lot of it still wasn't me. Like I had a boss one time who told me he was upset that I wasn't more emotional. <laughs> like, like he was like, Ben, like be more, he literally said it like be more pissed or something like that. I was like, that's not me, you know? And so, and I was, I was the weird boss who the 15 minute follow-up conversations would turn into an hour because I actually care instead of just, hit your goals, you know? And so I was always different in that way, looking for different things. And I had someone tell me one time is Ben, you grew up with so much love and belief around you. So not only you could, you know, support in other people feeling that, but holding that space. So because a lot of people have a distorted versions of themselves, of the truth of themselves. So I believe everyone is amazing and everyone is whole. Everyone is like, whatever fear or trauma or those things that we believe we are, those aren't really us. So during my process uh, in like supporting amazing clients is a remembering. So that's what I call it is it's a remembering back to you. It's dissolving the problem because there, there really isn't a problem. It's just the belief that we're broken. So we're really not broken. So to answer the question, <laughs> yes and no. And it's more of just cultivating my gifts and trusting and even in this moment right now, I'm in such a incubator, spiritual, like 
preparation mode of it's a lot of downtime, but it's just so much learning and transformation that it, I know it's preparing me. Like my ego could be like, okay, how am I going to make money? You know, like how, like, I don't have all these, like all this, these meetings scheduled, but again, it's, I know this is preparing me for something much bigger than just, you know, like hitting an X dollar amount of this month. Like that, that human worry is so much smaller on like the grand universal scale of things. Very good. So let me ask you, how would you describe your style that you use? Is there a central message that you try to get across? Mm, so yeah, you got a little taste of it just right there, right? Of It's me holding that love frequency of who you truly are. And it's not me thinking who you are because that doesn't, I still don't know, right? But it's me asking questions and holding the space and holding a frequency for you to step into for yourself because you already have the tools and truth inside of you. So again, it's, you already have the tools, you have the truth. You are like, you are already everything you're trying to be. It's just remembering that and me holding that frequency of like, Hey, you don't need to like check. You don't need to check every trauma on the checklist. It's like, yes, that's real. That feels very real, but it's like, take all that away. Who are you? If you didn't need to heal, like, who are you? If there was no fear, who are you? And holding that frequency so you can remember that is you. Like, that is you. That highest version of you is still you. It's just evolving and remembering into that person. Cool. And what do you, what do you find is the most challenging aspect of your experiences today? Mm. And me, so me, like, on my own journey or watch, like, in coaching and all that coaching. stuff? coaching. Oh, ooh, this is going to be, this is going to be good. So it goes back to the ego thing of this is for me. So of course there's nothing bad or wrong about wanting to feel successful. And yes, I'm helping people. Yes. I'm changing the world. But if that's my main driver, then I'm actually being a disservice to people because I'm using them to fulfill a need in within me. So for a while, it was like, I felt like I needed to save people. I felt like they needed me to reach their salvation. But, but I don't believe in that guru or savior mindset or complex. Again, it goes back to you are the thing. You are already amazing. So letting go of even different sales pitches of, you know, it's a common thing to use pain points, right? Because to sell this person on why they need to work with me, I need to tell them how much their life sucks. Which it works. I'm not gonna say that it, it works, it's a thing, lots of people do it. But now I've stepped away from that because I'm just, I'm not, I'm doing a disservice to them by keeping them in that loop instead of, look, trust your intuition, you have an inner guidance system, you're knowing, I don't need to like use these pain point systems like to tell you that you're broken listen and so kind of just those different we'll just call them matrix or matrixy illusions or of my mind being compromised <laughs> and thinking that other people are broken great and then on the flip side what's where have you felt the most gratification for what mm. you, and why it's 
Yeah, like I'm at a loss for words because again, you know, when I hear a lot, you know, like Ben, you changed my life and all that and all those fun things. Yes, that feels so good. But the, my favorite realizations are just when people have, yet there's a lot of crying um, and emotions. And there's also, it can be really simple, like these breakthroughs that I'm speaking of. There's no right or wrong or better or worse. It's just whatever you need, like whatever is organically you and you need at that time. But there's a whole mix of things. And it's my favorite thing is how simple it is and how quick it is. A lot of people think I'm not against therapy, but a lot of the people that come to me, I don't believe therapy is wrong, but they use therapy, but then they get stuck in a cycle where it's no longer helpful to them. And so, and then within three, four, five, six weeks, instead of three, four, five, six years, we've already broken through the things that they were just repeating in the therapy cycle. And so, but all it is, is me just holding that space and asking questions and holding that frequency because they already are that person. And so that's my favorite part is them realizing that the tools and truth are inside of them. And they're like, oh, this is already me. Like I wasn't missing anything. I'm not broken. Like this is me. So that's my favorite thing. Okay, so let me ask you, when you're going through this financial flip-flop situation, <laughs> mm-hmm. and obviously your, your emotions and feelings are, are being stirred up, um, how did you deal with that? Did you, did you ever think about asking for help, or did you ask for help, and why or why not? Yeah, this is a great question. And back to the, not just men, but for sure, do you know, what, what's the, do you know, like the listener ratio on, on the show? Okay. So we'll just, <laughs> but for some reason, I feel like there's a good amount of men listening. Um, and if not, you can apply this too, but for anyone, but so asking for help is huge. And I even, so yes, I, I thought about it. Um, and that goes into what I said before about men thinking like we're a failure or we're less than or not good enough or not a man or whatever. If like, say I do have to use my 401k, I do have to use my savings. I do have to file for bankruptcy. So I was fully prepared to do anything that I needed to do because I knew this money thing or this number or this value or whatever this arbitrary rule didn't define me and it wasn't like a value of my worth or my confidence or like it didn't deem me worthy. And so once I knew that in my head, it was, that's, it's funny. That's when everything started to click is when I fully accepted, I can use all my money. I can file bankruptcy. I'm fully prepared to do anything because that doesn't mean anything about me. And I'm not saying that's not ideal. Like we don't, I'm not saying go file for bankruptcy and spend all your money. You know, it's like, but being in that mind that I won't even say mind, I'll say heart space, that heart space and that surrender of trusting and letting go of being into that, of which that asking for help piece, I was fully prepared to, to be seen and be seen as vulnerable and quote unquote weak and needing help. So I definitely asked for help along the way for me. Um, it was in the form of like, you know, mentors or being willing to be proven wrong. That's a huge thing for me is um, 
so it wasn't necessarily financial help. Um, and I've gone to therapy, I've worked with, you know, paid for, invested in lots of mentors, but being willing to be proven wrong of like, I don't know what's best. That was a big thing of what changed and flipped my perspective too. Great. All right. Let's uh, switch gears. Let's look at your nuclear family mm. while, you, while you were growing up as a child. Where, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're a Utah Jazz fan. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> and how would you characterize your father as a man? Was he tough on you? Mm. Did he show you love, discuss emotions and feelings, talk to you about important things about being a man, stuff like that? Great question. I'm actually just getting chills. That's cool. So n it was neither. And I've had, I feel comfortable saying this because I've had a, a month or two months ago, I had a converse, a really cool conversation with my dad that I can mention. Um, but it was neither meaning it wasn't, he, he definitely wasn't tough on me. He's a very, very nice, loving person. Um, but my parents divorced when I was five. So mine was, he wasn't there, but he also like wasn't there. So it was the space of just kind of whatever, you know? Um, and so like, I remember him, you know, every soccer game when I was a kid, like when I scored a goal, he would give me a dollar. So that definitely motivated me to, you know, keep scoring and all that fun stuff. Um, and he never said like, I couldn't feel something, but he also never like sat down with me and talked about money or talked about emotions or talked about sex or it, like those types of things. And I have like, I have zero resistance or grudge or hatred all i have is love for him because i know that he's he was and is doing the best that he can so a lot of people when we talk about you know childhood trauma and all these things i literally hold no resentment to my parents because i know they were doing the best they could based on the knowledge and experiences that they had um but i had this really cool experience with talking to him of asking his side instead of like these perceptions or beliefs that i had of my dad wasn't there or he didn't care. Like asking him about his experience about the divorce and how he felt alone and how he felt hurt and how he didn't know what to do and how he felt bad about not being there for his kids. It told, and I'm getting chills right now, it's cool. So he, that created more of a bond and a love. Again, it doesn't mean it's ideal or any of those things. It's not like, I wish he could have done better, but that prepared me for now. And having that experience created more of a bond that I knew that he's doing the best that he could. That's great that he was open mm -hmm. to listen to you and to share his emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. Me, that's real masculinity. That's healthy masculinity. There's a place and time for a man to share his emotions and feelings. Unfortunately, these, these masculinity norms that parents grew up with, that the media has latched onto, that egotistical, macho man, good old boy network, you know, has prevailed. And it's still alive and well in personal and in workplace relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do is to let men know that it's okay to ask for help. You know, 300 million people in the world have depression, but only 150 million 
get treatment for it. Yep. And to me, that's my opportunity to help change the world is to let men know it's okay. You don't have to be John Wayne and pound your chest. <laughs> and the crazy thing, Tim, is I was surprised. I haven't, I haven't looked at the stats um, recently, but I looked at um, last summer, so I think it was July, um, July of 2020, and the anxiety and depression rates had increased three or four times. Obviously, it makes sense, right, because we're in a pandemic depending, we won't get into that, but right of based on, it doesn't matter what you believe, like you are stuck inside, all you see is fear and sickness on the news and worry. Of course, you're gonna get, get more anxiety and depressed and you're losing your job and like all these things. And the crazy thing was, is it's with younger people are more affected, like kids, which I'm actually getting chills again. Like that's scary. Like we've never seen so much before as young kids, being affected by it more than ever. Very true. All my research points, especially late research, current research, that these mental health issues start, they begin in a very young age mm -hmm. with children. And thus, this is one of the points in my book. We have to address this early on in children's education mm -hmm. you know what masculinity is and you know what it is and what it isn't so that kids know and you know they they follow they're obviously we're all influenced by our father our friends who are like competitive saying i want the most toys i got the biggest <laughs> best car i got the biggest best chicks I got more money than anybody. You know, there's no woman that when you're trying to be in a relationship with her, she doesn't want to hear about that. You know, she wants the man to create a safe space mm -hmm. so that she can share what's going on with her and that that man will listen so that she felt feels hurt. Mm -hmm. And, a lot of men, you know, this is this is part of my message I'm trying to get out to men is that there is a time and place to um, share your emotions and feelings, but also there's a time and place to create that space for a woman so that she can be feel like she's being hurt. Mm. And that's, to me, the, the glue of a relationship. But do you, do you think that... Um, that those the masculinity norms of today may have prevented you from asking for help sooner for fear of being labeled not a real man so this is this is a good question so for me i was raised with a very this is an interesting question so because for me it was actually a little bit i don't want like to say the opposite but as far as how our logic works we'll just say opposite um, so I was raised with, you know, single mom, strong single mom who actually had to take on more masculine attributes, uh, to just survive. Like, so we could live right five. So she had five kids, you know, one, at one point as a single mom. So, you know, lots of job changes and I never felt like she like wasn't there. Like she still was being a mom in addition to being that like father figure to it at, a lot of the times. So 
Um, and I grew up with a lot of women, like I have a younger sister, you know, a mom. So for me, I always felt safe in my emotions and I've felt, I don't want to say always, but my thing was being seen as that not being man enough. So it, it kind of worked in the opposite way because I was so comfortable in it that I was like, I didn't um, quite quote unquote connect with other men who were in that space. So there was a dissonance between the quote unquote macho man or successful man, like that boss, right? Of who said like, Ben, be more pissed off, be more competitive and versus me who was like, yo dude, I'm chill. Like, I don't need to do that. But again, it's not this is right or this is wrong. It, I just always like to insert the word and like how you were talking about, right? Is it there's time and places for everything. So it's, you can be both, you can be everything. And the most important thing is just like, what is organic and true to you? Cause we all have a specific DNA and frequency that's true to us. Like we're literally not going to fit in even me and you talking about masculinity, like put your own feel into it right just because we say this thing is how it works for us doesn't mean it's going to work exactly 100 percent the same for you there are some you know generic um truths i guess we can call like like um pillars maybe or foundational things but um overall it's not like this is right and this is wrong and like you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that good good um let me ask you well, when I grew up, I was abused physically, mentally, emotionally, verbally. And I later found out that that was the root of my severe depressive disorder that's reoccurring and as well as my addictions that, thank God, I've overcome. Um, was there any evidence, any kind of abuse evident in your family when you were growing up? Luckily, no. So with me, yeah, personally, no. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's, that's healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, did you ever display any risky behavior as a child? Alcoholism, drug addiction, pill addiction, stealing, fighting mm -hmm. others, violence? <laughs> so, Tim, this is good because um, – so, No. <laughs> So, and, and this is, so I, I, this is going back to the point of like, I know I'm an anomaly and we can get deeply spiritual, but like for me, I know that I've lived previous things and this goes back into what you're talking about, like asking for help. How I have viewed that is truly stepping into my true power and being in essence um, of I thought because I didn't have a traumatic upbringing, I thought because I wasn't addicted to drugs that I didn't have a story, that I wasn't, that I couldn't be a coach or I couldn't be inspirational because I didn't go through those things. And so it's interesting how it works both, right? Of um, like, because I didn't go through this, it's like, I can't be of service. Um, and I had, you know, I've had people ask me that, well, Ben, like you didn't have a traumatic childhood. Like, why can you help people? And say, like, well, like one that's, I would rather not go through that. <laughs> but again, it's holding that frequency of, you know, removing that, like those are very real experiences that a lot of people have had, unfortunately. So, but take those away. I'm holding this love and belief. Like 
I have no, maybe not no, cause I'm still human and I have, you know, judgments, but in comparison to a lot of folks, like, I don't think you should be, or should not be something like, I'm not, I'm not defining you by this trauma or this experience. So I'm seeing you for like who you really are or the potential of what you're trying to get to. So, um, so no, like I, yeah, that goes back to that special and different thing of I'm very, and embracing that part of me, which like, I know that it's, I'm not supposed to fit in. I'm supposed to show the way and lead. And so that answers your question. (laughs) This is a positive attribute of yours. Mm -hmm. You've got healthy mental health and it's kind of a rarity today. Right. I mentioned in my book that when depression or other mental health issues go unchecked, that's when risky behaviors show up because men are trying to push down these feelings. They don't want to talk about it. They, they think it'll affect their masculinity. They don't trust other men with their story. They don't want women to know about this. Mm -hmm. And thus they fill that lack with alcohol or drug Mm -hmm. or, or violence or whatever it is. Or success. Like, anything sure but that's you know your answer is because you're healthy (laughs) mental health standpoint yeah and it's interesting right because um because there's a spectrum to this right of what you said of like the quote-unquote macho men right who think or the men who feel like we can't express who we really are or that softer side and then even if you come across the spectrum to the more spiritual community, it's actually, it's, in my view, potentially over-feminized, um, which is a, a different combo. But uh, and so, yeah, it's just interesting, right? Like within that spectrum of, we say this is better or this is worse. And what you're saying of like, like you're healthy, right? Is, and that could be surprising and that, that could trigger some people, but hopefully, someday in the future that can be normal where we hear, you know, more stories of um, stories like that instead of stories of neglect or abuse. I, I hope. And I see that that's a timeline. That's, that's the frequency that I'm trying to hold. Agreed. And that's why I think it's important that we, we have to educate children at a young age uh, as far as what is healthy behavior in uh, being masculine the, the truth is is that many men either physically leave their family when they have children or mentally and emotionally leave yep. and do not and do not take on their responsibilities to teach or mimic their behavior to their son about what masculinity is thus they're raised by their mother and they like you said they become feminized mm-hmm. that's, that's why a lot of men don't know what it is to be masculine oh tim speaking my language brother <laughs> I, I spend a whole chapter on on healthy masculinity and i define it quite simply as a, a three prong triangle Mm. number one um 
I label it Clint for Clint Eastwood, <laughs> is that a man has to be strong, yes, physically strong about carrying the piano down the, the stairs when you're moving, <laughs> but also strong in knowing that he has to have a serious discussion with a family member, his daughter, his wife, his son, somebody yeah. at work, his boss, and it's not going to be comfortable, mm -hmm. but the truth has to be told. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a pillar of strength there. I love that. Cause it, cause it is both. And that's, we think it's either or right. Like strong, I need to be this like, or strong is not showing emotions, right? It's like, no, it's actually like, and that flips of you opening up sometimes and saying you're wrong to your daughter, to your spouse. Yeah. And the second part, of my triangle is called curly of the three stooges that men have to have a sense of humor and not take Love life that. so seriously. You know, life is to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And so many men are like, Oh, I got to make money. I got to have this chick, blah, 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 blah. You know, Hey, take it easy. It, it balance out fun and, and seriousness, you know? Yes. And the third side is what I call Gandhi, which is mm. uh, for spirituality, that whatever the spirituality method that you subscribe to, you got to have some degree of that in your life, whatever that is, to ground you. And Gandhi was the very peaceful uh, symbol for all of us. And if a man has all three of those then I consider that man masculine. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be this, you know, 50 pages of research on all Or a this. checklist. Yeah. It's just, you know, if you have those three, you get it, you know? And you be it. Exactly. And exactly. that's the thing for men, right, is we think, for me, speaking personally, I thought I had to do all these things. And, and now it's like, no, you just be the thing. That's the most powerful thing you can do. So, Ben, I don't know if you have any children, but if you do or you will in the future. I will. I'm excited for it. Not yet. How do you think you would characterize yourself as a father? Easy? <sighs> Lose your cool, yell and scream, show emotions <laughs> and love? This is, man, Tim, I love this. I love this. I actually get kind of emotional about it. Like, like I can't wait. This is funny. Wow, I am getting emotional. Look, on the spot. <laughs> but, like, I can't wait to be a dad. Like, um, I can't wait. And it, and it's a mix of I can't wait to have, like, little humans that I love so much that, you know, you that I've heard so many times if you don't know what love is until you, you know, have a kid or whatever. And, but I can't wait for them to teach me too, right? Like, I know it's not just, I know best and you'll listen to me. It's, Yo, you're coming into this world with no programs, like no conditioning, just so pure. And so I'm excited to teach. I'm excited to guide. I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to be with them and live with them um, and not think that I'm better than them just because in this human life, I, you know, contributed to their existence. <laughs> but I can't wait, like as far as all of the things. Um, and, but I'm, as far as I'm also told, right, is like, Ben, it's the hardest thing that you'll ever do. 
which, okay, I take that with a grain of salt. And then I also ask why, like, does, is that true? Does it have to be the hardest thing? It's like, yes, I know there's going to be moments of like what you mentioned of those like difficult conversations, but that could be another, you know, belief system that we can, um, reframe or look, look at differently is that this has to be hard or it has to be difficult. Like that doesn't mean it's completely easy breezy all the time, but it's like, I know that's going to come with it. So I can't wait. And it's to me, it's I'll, I'll do my best and I'll be the best of all the things of all the ends of holding that, um, that, that discipline state, you know, when needed, because being Mr. Nice guy isn't good all the time. And I can't wait to talk about heartbreaks. I can't wait to talk about, you know, getting the first job. I can't wait till they tell me about their failures. I can't wait to tell, you know, to talk about the wins. I just can't wait to be engaged in that much in someone's life. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. To wrap up, what, what, is there something special that you think you've learned from your experiences so far that you can share with us? Who the biggest thing is we've talked a lot about this, like throughout, but just to hit at home of like, you already are everything you're trying to be like, you're not broken. Um, you don't need to, and I'm really speaking to people who are, who have already done like maybe a lot of personal development, right. Of like, you've done the healing, you've done the therapy, you've, you know, done, you read all the books and it's like, yo, it's okay. Like you said, like the curly, right. It's, it's okay to have fun. You don't have to be so serious and learning and like searching for ways to fix yourself. Like life is naturally and organically going to put reflections into your life. Like, so you can have fun and wait for them to show up. You don't have to like, be looking and digging all the time. However, it's important to start the awareness process by looking for those. Um, so, but that's the biggest thing that I've learned is that no one, it's just like, we think that we're broken or that we think we need fixing. We think that we're not good enough. We think that we're not lovable. We think that we're a failure. So many different things and beliefs and subconscious things that I've learned through my experiences with people. Um, and the last thing I'll say on top of that is that fear is a compass and fear is a guide. And I've been sh- pleasantly supply- surprised of how fear is a guidance system into the things that you most care about. Because you, if you think about how, like when you feel fear is it's usually when you're on the cusp of something that you really care about or you desire or that's destined for you. So you have the choice of, you know, on the other side of that fear is, what you want or what's meant for you. But if you don't do the thing, then you don't receive that. So that's why to me, fear is one of the best things in the world. If you listen, if you listen to it and lean into it and it's not bad, it's not wrong. It's actually a beautiful gift. Great. Last question. How would you describe masculinity? (laughs) So, so I wrote, dang, hold on. I'm actually going to go, I'm going to pull up something I wrote. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So, We've got editors. Okay, cool. So let's do Okay, cool. So I posted a photo. This was um November 15th. And the quote was what does it mean to be a real man? And I'll skip to the end. 
So this is what my definition of masculinity is. So can I swear or should I keep it PG? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do. Okay. It's not an effort, so we're okay. So this is my quote unquote checklist, you know, or the beginning of like, here's a short list of what I think we should celebrate in men. Gets shit done and is heart centered. Serious when needed and playful. Ability to express emotions and stay grounded. Passionately driven and loves gently. Competitive and asks for help. Highly successful and isn't defined by a paycheck. Spiritually awake and speaks directly. Sex God and cuddle king, which my last is serious and not serious. <laughs> so, so that's a short list of what I want to celebrate in men. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as you can see, Ben's story is quite remarkable. He's demonstrated courage, bravery, and giving to his community, a real role model for our world today. We're honored to have you on our podcast today. Do you have any final thoughts? No, like, thank you so much for having me. This was, this is a fun conversation. I'm like, I, yeah, I just appreciate your questions. Like Tim, thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you be, not just what you do, but of your essence and your frequency and the love that I feel and see from you. And I, yeah, I just appreciate it a lot, a lot. Well, I look forward to continuing our dialogue so I can learn more and, and so I can help others. So thanks again. And go jazz. Go Lakers, Western Conference Final. There, Listeners, please look for our podcast, Time Out for Mental Health, wherever you get your podcasts, including the Mental Health News Radio Network and HealthyLife.net. And keep your eyes out for my upcoming book, You Don't Have to Swallow Your Gun, a book about relationships, depression, suicide, and how toxic masculinity affects relationships between men and women. Please contact me for speaking engagements through my website, timcrass.com. And don't forget to have fun, everybody.